0: We ready? All right. Hey! Welcome to Playtonics. This is an RPG design show where we design sessions, not games. I'm Jordan. And I'm Rocky. uh, And we both spend a lot of time in our day jobs designing and facilitating experiences for people. This is our attempt to use those powers for fun and not work. Every week, we pick an iconic genre or an IP, and we think about if we were players, what would it have to look like for us to have fun with that session and then we work backwards to figure out what should the game master prepare and have ready at the table so jordan what are we talking about this week i'm so glad you asked (laughs) (laughs) for this week's topic we've chosen westerns (laughs) there is a visual and audible tumbleweed blowing across right now we are setting a scene Everything is dusty. There's almost no plants. It's all scrubland. Well, oh, that was terribly out of tune. So each week we uh, we pick apart our topic uh, and we kind of break it down into what are the like key touch points. What are the anchors that? What's the wish give, list? Yeah. What are the things that give this genre its identity? that you couldn't do without. And if you if you were a player in a game and it was missing this thing, you would leave feeling bummed. Yeah. So what are the things that tie Westerns together? Yeah. Do you want to go first? Oh, yeah, no, sure. Like, like shootout style. I'll shoot one, then you shoot one. That's spoilers for one of the things Not on my list. at all how shootouts happen. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. <laughs> so I love me a good Western. Uh, yeah. I actually went back and watched A uh, Fistful of Dollars again uh, and followed it up with for a few dollars more and chased that down with Tombstone. I was going to say, have you actually made it to the good, the bad and the ugly yet? It, it's on the list. I've still never seen it though. It's I, happening. I f- look, it's basically, if you've seen the first two dollars, it's, it's more of the same, but more of the same is exactly what you want. Mm. I love the difference between the old Westerns and things from, I'm going to say, modern era which includes Tombstone, which was released in 1993 with Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer. Uh, side note, it was the first time I'd ever seen that one. The, the first mustache thing, game is strong. Oh, it's incredible. Oh, Every man. man has a thick and oh, powerful just, mustache. Mm. Yeah, that's, Unbelievably that's curated. worth it just for the facial hair. Something that I think is like pivotal is there has to be a furious tension between law and, I want to say, organization, community, crime, rule of law is struggling against an organized group of baddies. Mm. And, yeah, often the bad guys are more organized than the good guys. Exactly the, right. The, yeah, that the outlaws are more lawful in the D&D alignment sense than the lawmen. Exactly right. They are not good, but they do a good job of running themselves as a crew. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's the center point around which I would build everything else. There's always going to be a conflict with like a, a town in trouble, and there's got to be some good common folk that are worth saving who are just trying to live their lives and make something new in this like wild expanse, but people are taking advantage of the the short arm of the law. Yep. Um, yeah, I had something similar as my kind of first one, which is your outsiders, your loners, your drifters. Why are you working together? Like it's the the hero in these movies, and they are almost all movies. The hero is a lone wolf, uh, sometimes with a sidekick, but we don't really see bands like we do in, I guess traditional D&D games, right? Like you don't you don't have a pack or a crew of four or five people necessarily as the protagonist. Um I don't I think, think that's Im- largely true. Yeah, I don't think it's impossible to have that. Um stuff like The Hateful Eight comes to mind um and from the 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 look of Tombstone it looks like they've got a foursome going which is Yeah, the way they pulled it off in Tombstone is Doc Holliday's kind of like the traveling scoundrel and Wyatt up and his brothers are rocking up to town so it's like it's not unheard of to have a a posse a squad um but i think it's i think it's an interesting challenge for how it kind of goes against the basic trope yeah the, the basic Earth. trope of the the lone wolf and maybe this the sidekick the butch and the sundance if you will yes i think it's a great one to pull out early on and something to definitely address with your players early, because playing with a team of lone wolves fucking sucks. It is the worst experience to have everyone be the cool moody guy standing off in the corner being like, oh, I'd never work with you. There's gotta be some minute for me. I think a lot of that is kind of table stakes for the kinds of interesting games that we would hope people go off and play after listening to the show. Um But, yeah, it is always a good idea to make a character who uh, has a reason to be involved with the other characters at the table, right? Like, it's a a small conceit that makes a big difference to the game actually being fun Mm -hmm. is that if you are someone who, if not... Uh, plays nicely with others and at least plays interestingly with others. And it really leans into a lot of things that you would use as, like, motivations for the characters as Mm -hmm. well. The bad guy's always, like, captured someone, um, killed someone, has something you want, has framed you for something. Um, There's probably, like, a wanted poster involved and you depends on how much they control the town yeah uh sometimes they're just running it well yeah and that but then then it's your face on the wanted poster right the wanted poster is just such good set dressing to display what the status quo is here it tells you exactly who's in charge who's paying the bills for when that that bounty comes in like it's real clean storytelling yeah, it's super sort of versatile in that you can be the hunters or the hunted, right? Like, as the player, you can be the one who's on the poster or you can have the poster or you can be out to get your name off the poster. Yeah, um, I think if I was a player and there wasn't a bounty available, I would be pretty disappointed. Hold on. I think I, I think I have... I think I've got something here. Go for it. Um, right. When we're talking, like... Driving forces, things that make the characters want to go off and do the adventure. All right. Are you ready for this? I think I am. Rescues. Yep. Revenge. Yep. Redemption. Oh, that's nice. And retirement. Yeah, that was good and clean. Yeah. I actually wasn't ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's all Clint Eastwood wants, right? Like, all he wants is to be allowed to retire back to his little his little mm-hmm. plot. And people keep coming and getting him to solve their problems. But, like, that's all he wants. And that's especially true in the second film. In For A Few Dollars More, he's literally doing it for the money. The whole thing is just about him getting the money. And he kind of escalates along the way what course of action he's taking because more lucrative things pop up. Yeah. and But it's, it's never just we're doing it for the money so we can... Stay in the business and get more money, right? Like that's why the bad guys are doing it. The good guys are are always after the money because it buys someone's freedom or it buys them their land or it like mm-hmm. clears their debts. Like you want the money for to escape this life, right? Like yeah. actually, this lawlessness, not for you. Yeah. Want to drive some cattle or something. You didn't choose this life, right? Like, like this life chose you. And I think, it's, I think it's actually really interesting how not proactive the protagonists of these movies tend to be, right? Like, things just happen to them, and they have to react. Mm-hmm. And, like, the way that they react defines their character and is what makes them the good guys and not the bad guys, and is, like, the meat of the plot of the movie, but Most of the time, these aren't people who are going out into the world seeking adventure. They are like dragged, kicking and screaming, sometimes literally. I've wandered into a town and then a thing has occurred and now I'm forced to do plot. They're basically everyday people who happen to be really good at gun. So Um, good at gun though, eh? Also, (laughs) Clint Eastwood, good at a horse as well. They also, everyone can inexplicably ride a horse and that's like, that's fine. That's just a given. Um, it's like now, but they, almost everyone can drive a car. Yeah, everyone can. Well, yeah, I suppose guns people are, like are that too. better at driving car than other. Mm. Not everyone good at car. And where there's disparity, you can play that off as an encounter. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think the fact that they didn't choose this life is probably a good starting point for when when your players are kind of making their characters. It's like, why didn't you choose this life? Like, what has dragged you into yeah. this underworld, and and what's your plan to get out of it? Like, I would want to know that. Like, if I'm GM in this session, I want to know that ahead of time because that's going to be the the cornerstone upon which I build the plot. Yeah, like I'm going to build an inciting. Uh, event that is going to directly key off that and it's if it's just going to be like I can't see someone uh, I I can't see one of the common folk get hurt I can't see people crushed by power Uh, then I'm like well bingo that's what I'm going for someone is going to get kidnapped or they're going to like steal the mayor's wife or something like that Mm. and And I think it's going to be I want big money because I want to retire it's like boom that's easy shooting fish in a barrel yeah if it's redemption, also very easy. Present that same scenario of this is your chance to do the thing that you didn't do last time. Yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a really fun opportunity to put your players into sticky situations and watch them get out of them. And the players don't have to do a lot of getting into the sticky situation. Mm-hmm. And in fact, maybe this kind of game is a good fit for a group of players who enjoy that the action and the problem solving passive. but aren't very good at like going out there and starting yeah. the adventure it's like not so good at causing plot but a fine when plot happens at them exactly like this is the in many ways the origin of the trope around hey if things are going too slow like someone bursts into the room with a gun it's like perfect <laughs> for that. like saloon doors swing open bad guy with a gun comes in yeah just start shooting up the joint what are you gonna do I would be disappointed if I didn't get to start the game by walking in through saloon doors. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would be disappointed if there wasn't a shootout at the end. I'd be disappointed if there was not a wanted poster somewhere along the way. I thought you were going to say, I want to come in through a saloon door and I want to go out through the window. I mean, yes, (laughs) ideally. eh. I reckon as well, most of what happens in your Western films is not the gun duel. The gun duel is like the climax or a uh like a set piece to show off the skills of the protagonist yeah almost all the rest of it is social encounters that's interesting because i had the exact opposite down Mm. Um, interesting i feel like maybe social encounters is the wrong word but they're they're not encounters that can be solved by brute strength I think the way that they solve problems is really interesting because maybe more than any other genre we've talked about, I feel like Westerns are about environmental storytelling and all of the things that the heroes kind of do, they're manipulating the environment, right? Like they have a gun and they have a horse um, obviously so, hats. Goes there's got to be hats. <laughs> Everyone's got to have sick hats. If, if people are going to roll into town and I'm going to ask them what their characters look like, all I care about is what kind of hat they are wearing and maybe <laughs> what color of horse. Yeah. Because nothing else really matters. It's like brown horse, wide hat. You? Black horse, tall hat. White horse, aren't you fancy? That's a high-status horse. That's a that's a fancy horse. You're that's not going to have that for long. That's the entire limit of my equestrian knowledge. That's so when the player can tell me colour of horse, I'm like, that's good. You've thought about this, yes. Mm, <laughs> mm, mm. So they have a gun and they have a horse. Um, they might not start and finish the movie with the same gun and the same horse. In fact, they, they probably don't. But they have a certain set of skills and they apply them to the environment almost Mm. exclusively right like it's not a it's not a genre about gear and having cool toys right it's 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 the anti-iron man yes very much so like almost always the guns are identical everyone has a six shot or a rifle and that's pretty much it maybe a shotgun oh yeah sometimes it's like it's like a fancy the fancy weapon is if you have a sort of shotgun and there will be multiple points throughout the story where all of that is taken away from you and you have to survive on your wits. Mm-hmm. I don't think that necessarily makes everything social encounters. I think there's, there's always a degree of fast talking, but... There's certainly a lot of fast thinking. Yeah. But like, I would say in most of the films that I've seen, there's actually remarkably little action happening outside of town. And the stuff that's happening outside of town is not travel or wilderness. Like, that's all handled in a montage. No. It, it kind of teaches that there's actually not much on in the in-between. Like, yeah. there are pockets of civilization. There are points of light. And then there's a significant absence of material between them. Right. If something's happening outside of town, it's because there's people there. It's because yes. There's You're a, staying at the homestead. There's a derailed train or a tipped-over yeah. stagecoach or a, like... Some kind of ambush. It's people-driven. Yeah, it's people-driven. I wouldn't call them social encounters. I would call them non-combat encounters. Give us an example of something that wouldn't be a social encounter that also isn't combat in this in this scenario. Because um, I'm kind I of think... playing off that kind of uh, three pillars of play being like social, uh, exploration, and combat. And I actually think exploration barely features in this at all. That's true. Um, things that I would consider to be uh, a non combat encounter but not a social encounter any kind of escape i feel like escape scenes are as in like the bad guys are coming and you're in a vulnerable spot or you've been locked up in in the lockup and you've got yep. to get out or you're you're in the baddies lair and you got to escape somehow it's funny in in the first 2 dollars films they both play along the same kind of railroad of Clint Eastwood is amazing. Everyone wants him on their side. He plays them all off. Something goes wrong, they capture him and beat him up. And then both of them have him escaping from that beat up lockdown. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's interesting to look at how he sort of plays people off against each other. Um, and he does it entirely by his reputation. Like, if, yes. you look at, if you look at what he's actually doing, he's not, man's not saying a lot. No, few, very little. Few words, which is like, why I think it's, it's not quite correct to call them social encounters. Like it's true, but like it's social in the context of you are manipulating a person for an end, and the the outcome couldn't have been achieved with power of gun alone. So like in fistful of dollars, he walks into town, he shoots down three, four people, he shoots down four people, and that immediately establishes his reputation. And then he doesn't need to fire a shot for the next two-thirds of the movie. Mm. Like, it's just to go in there and have a set piece where the combat is fast, brutal, and he's clearly better than a mook. Yeah. Like, there's only three tiers of bad guy here. And overwhelmingly dudes are mooks. Sometimes there's a lieutenant. And then there's the head honcho. Mm. And, and it's... <clears throat> that is the defining feature in how many hits they can take is like Mm -hmm. mooks go down in one shot the lieutenant takes two shots (laughs) and the bad guy takes three shots (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's a couple of other elements just for world building that i think are integral to this setting there's got to be a gambling den and i want to see some cards on a table and maybe build an encounter out of that and then we flash back to someone walks in. They don't have to start shooting straight away. They just have to have the reputation that they could start shooting. And it kills the mood. And they wander over. And they whole start... bar goes silent. Yep. They, they get in the face of the people who are playing cards. Maybe they fuck around with other people's hands. Maybe they demand to sit down and, like, eject a player. But it's like hard tension enters the scene yep absolutely. If I'm going through less high level stuff that I want out of this as a player, um I actually think I probably want dynamite. yeah i want I want someone to do something ridiculous with dynamite to the point where, as a DM, I would probably just give the players some dynamite and see yeah. what they do with it because dynamite nothing, as plot token, <laughs> nothing bad, no. Nothing uninteresting will ever happen <laughs> if someone decides to set off a stick of dynamite. <laughs> stick of dynamite, like, so useful for a jailbreak, for an ambush, or, like, a horse spook, um, for, a they've gone fishing. <laughs> <laughs> for people who've come from d d um, just, like, the concept that you can play with explosives in this game mm. is going to be fun enough that, like, yeah, even just, like... Oh, I'm going to go dynamite fishing. Like that is going to be a fun little like 10 minutes of side narration for you between encounters is like, yeah, you threw all your dynamite in the lake and like now you've got loads of fish. What are you going to do with it? You're going to, you're going to go to town and sell it. Like who are you going to sell it to? Or oh, like, is... where are you going to put all that fish to <laughs> yeah. front? Whose yeah, pockets because, like, is it going to be? In? No one's invented re- refrigeration yet. Like what are you going to do? <laughs> like start a fish drying operation? that's fine, but like someone's going to come and take your fish drying operation from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> All I wanted to do was dry some fish. All I wanted to do was re- retire and make fish jerky. And until I uh, kill yeah. Big Jimmy and the Big Jimmy gang, I can't get back to my uh, Sorry, it's hole. the Big Jimmy gang, but he's called Big James. <laughs> <laughs> Large James. We um, got a, a real good like suite of touchstones here. I think so. Um, so how how are you approaching prepping this? I have an idea. Um, mm-hmm. Please enlighten. I only have one idea though, so maybe you should tell me your idea first. <laughs> <laughs> right, my I'll save thoughts... mine because I think mine is more of a like seasoning idea than a like
1: oh a yeah okay salt bay
0: yeah. So my thoughts are we we got to have a bunch of encounters around town. There's got to be a bunch of NPCs. Mm. that can act as vectors for information uh, that the players can lean into. I want want someone high society. I want at least someone low society. Low society is straight up the barkeep, not the tavern owner, the barkeep. There is a difference in this genre. Uh And he's like the local rumor mill, knows it all, tells the players what's what. And maybe their business is being affected by it as well. He's like, oh yeah, it's real dangerous. Nobody comes out to drink anymore when these boys are in town. And that hurts my bottom line. So I'll help you. I think that's the starting point for it. Yeah. Then I want to have a gang that's too big to be solved with violence straight off. And I want to set up a bunch of encounters where small groups of that gang can be encountered and dealt with in like piecemeal fashion so that it opens a gateway to the big bad guy the big bad guy is effectively untouchable in this setting until you deal with a bunch of his minions so we we get a bunch of clues about where they tend to hang out uh or if there's like a shipment coming into town that's likely to get robbed by them like some location vector to point the players towards and have them encounter it we have like some tension builders with like a game of poker where the stakes are high for some reason where maybe we build that in as like if the if the players win this it's really going to make the bad guy lose face in front of the townspeople yeah where everyone else lets them win but the players can win the hearts and minds of the town which becomes a resource they can tap into yeah or they're out of towners and they don't know that you're meant to let you know large james win and so they just like happily win a game of poker and that's like oh you've messed up now i loved it in tombstone doc holiday is renowned as like an excellent poker player he just plays for 36 hours straight always winning he's fantastic at it it's never addressed whether he's cheating or not which i love i want to have locations that i want to be relatively fleshed out where i think the players are going to be spending a decent chunk of time would be the saloon uh-huh uh, would be like the location of that first potential combat node, which might be a like ambush or counter ambush setup. I want to think yep. of like a couple of things about that in my back pocket. Uh, and whether that's going to be a stagecoach or a train, or it's going to be they know there's like a gold nugget or silver nugget has been found at a particular claim and they're going to steal it. Like whatever it's going to be, I'm going to build out enough detail around that so that i can fluidly like hook the players in and assume that they will go there Mm -hmm. and i'm going to want to have a bunch of npcs around town that tie directly into those players hooks so if it's going to be like they want they're only after the money i'm going to have the sheriff who's like responsible for fulfilling the bounty Mm. if it's going to be the uh like redemption or like they're just lawful good people looking to help out it's going to be like the heart of gold npc that's going to get like their hooks into the players and yeah. then be I feel like school teacher kidnapped. is a good choice school teachers great. <laughs> yes the only one in the frontier town oh that's fantastic <laughs> uh i if- stole that like directly from uh perhaps the greatest western movie ever made Back to the Future Part 3. <laughs> oh, God, that's atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think it is. If you're looking at something that very effectively identifies and deploys to great effect that's all fair. of the Western tropes... Pulls out all the tropes and makes um, them fit. That's uh, that's totally fair. It's entirely unoriginal, which is fine, because it doesn't have to be, because that's not what it's about. It's not what it's trying um, to do, yeah. Um other NPCs who might be useful, like if if your people are motivated by rescue, you got to give them someone worth rescuing. Mm-hmm. If you're going to give them uh, something for redemption, you got to put them in a situation where they can allow themselves to be redeemed, and give them the NPCs to support that. I'd have that at the table with me, prepped mm. ahead of time, along with maybe just like a bunch of descriptors that I can throw together to form up some NPCs on the fly. We got to prep the lieutenant, we got to prep the big bad. And then oh, yeah. we have a bunch of faceless, voiceless mooks. The mooks only show up to go <laughs> whenever the big bad does anything. Yeah. Like I like they to don't give them a, personalities. They get one defining feature, we, like, which is like a physical aspect, right? Like, yeah, it's like he's smoking a cigar, she has a bandana over her face. he mm-hmm. He's got a, a a hat that's big even by the standards of the old west it's a big hat like, it's got a lot of holes in it from where bullets have missed his head they get one defining feature physical descriptor because they are fodder oh yeah they're they going to die plot straight fodder, away <laughs> and their whole point is to eat a bullet later yeah but they come in and they 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 are the uh, the strength of the big bad in all of these films people aren't running for cover They're just standing in the middle of the fucking road shooting each other. Yeah. Like, it's so rare to see them do anything tactical. It's all about the machismo of, like, wandering into the middle of the space. Like, the bad guy has the good guy pinned. He gives him the gun, and they say, we draw at three. Yeah. Like, it's not about just, like, killing the... Like, there's, there's a... Smaller. Like amount a weird of sense of honor, yeah. yeah. That that is like super warped and poorly implemented. But when it matters, because the player characters matter, we pull it out. Yeah. It doesn't matter when it's a random townsfolk. They just eat a bullet. But for some reason, the player characters are special and they're worth killing the right way. Well, yeah, it's because they uh they had their curiosity and now They've they've earned the bad guy's attention. Yeah. I'm really glad that you said that because that's quite a meaty, like, we got some scenes, we got some ways mm-hmm. that the scenes are linked to each other. We almost always have this, like, starts as a tense social scene and then the tension kind of boils over. Yes. That um, something happens where it's either, like, a dramatic diffuse or... All hell breaks loose. Yeah. So we're always like ratcheting the tension up in the scene until, yeah, either there's a, there's either a bang or a whimper. <laughs> right. um, I think the thing that I'm thinking about when I'm prepping this is a little more granular and it's mm-hmm. about what toys am I giving the player in the scene? So I think Westerns encourage you to play the env- with the environment. environment. yeah um, And so the things that I'm prepping is like, what am I putting in the scene so that when the action starts, whether that is a gunfight or a bar fight or an escape scene or a chase, like, okay, what are three things I can put in this scene that a player can manipulate? What are three features of this environment that I can pre-describe or pre-generate that are going to be fun for the player to interact with? um and it will be things like you're in the saloon it's like okay well there's a bunch of whiskey bottles behind the shelf obviously um and it and it is obvious but if you don't make a note of that you're not going to remember to say it Mm -hmm. and if you don't say it the players won't interact with it i mean we're literally i think in some cases seeding the scene with chekhov's guns right like Yeah, there's an old old rifle behind the counter. Like, if a bar fight breaks out, like, there's gonna be a scramble for the old rifle behind the counter. There's a set of stairs, like, someone's gonna go up there and shoot down from the balcony. I was thinking the balustrade, for sure. Someone's gonna fall through that balustrade at some point. Right, it's like, if you describe a, a window, someone gets thrown out the window. If you describe a horse trough, they land in the horse trough. Like, it's about seating oh there's a spittoon bucket on the ground someone's face ends up in that right and it's like it's all of this stuff that you're not gonna think of once the action breaks out and so for me as a dm i want a just a little checklist of like what's in this scene that is interactable and i'm very happy Mm -hmm. for the players to come up with their own but I always want to present want to them have, with yeah. a menu of options to select from as well. It's so often mentioned about how like, oh, the terrain is like the third combatant in any combat scene. But actually, in, in a, a lot of very simulation-y games, it's hard to action the environment in a way that's better than the toys that your character has on their sheet. I think it'd be fun to... Maybe this is something that makes it to the show notes.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: maybe we could throw up a couple of tables for like... A couple of very generic settings like the mine or the saloon, and just have a bunch of cues that we can slap together, and the GM can kind of roll up their scene out of. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think that's a that's a sick idea. Uh, if we get around to doing that, that will be in the show notes. If we don't get around to doing that, possibly even more fun for you is to go and watch a western because. They're they're real good. Go watch a Western and just, like, make a list of all the stuff that they use because there will be a bar fight scene and they will, like, everything that you see on screen in the scene, like, if it's visible on screen, like, it will get used in the fight. So, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on prepping this, which I'm really glad kind of complimented yours because you you definitely went for the macro prep, and I was like, no, micro prep. Yes, very much. Like, I I tend to (laughs) sit at that layer up top. And having these uh, little details to fit into it all is really, I think, what sells good prep. I think it is a thing where prepping actually makes a difference because it is hard to come up with what are 10 things, like on the spot, what are 10 things that are in this room that Mm -hmm. the player could use? So it's one of those spots where five minutes of prep when you're relaxed is going to make for a much better scene when you're in the middle of things. And they don't have to be tied to a specific place right you could just have 100 Westerny objects and they could be in any room um because all of the rooms are basically empty rooms with floorboards that are defined by what is happening in them um because this is a frontier town with one street and it was only built last week and and it's certainly not big enough for the both of us (laughs) Yeah, I think prepping can still be fun and it can still be productive, but like, you got to focus on prepping the stuff that's actually gonna, I think, make a difference. And you you want for everything that you prepped to come up in play. And then by the time you reach the end of the session, your prep is completely like used up, like your bingo card of bits. Yeah, you want it to be. I think you know what? Here's the an interesting... ideal case. I reckon is that all of your prep is utilized. It's the um... The Platonic ideal, if you will. I like that. Um, But, uh, like, we always strive for it. But it's so difficult to pull off without just, like, ham-fisting it into your player's (laughs) face. Um, Here is an interesting way of framing it for you. Um, We have said previously that character sheets are a player's wish list, right? Like, if something is on their character sheet, they want to use it. What if prep is... The game master's wish list. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I have prepped a spittoon bucket. I'm going to put it in this scene because I want to see somebody get it. It's going like, to end up on their head or their foot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's my like wish list as a GM is to see all of these things put in a scene and used. But I'm not deciding in advance which scene they're going to yeah. go you into. This This style of prep, I think, fits really well for being the structural backbone that allows you to improv effectively at the table. Yeah, exactly. You you want to have lots of toys, the same way you want to give your players toys on their sheet. Like, you want to give yourself some toys to play with and it's easier to make your toys in advance. Maybe, like, drop in there a dozen different ways to find a stick of dynamite. Stick of dynamite, give it to the party, see what happens. I, I actually genuinely love the list of, like, here is a list of places that someone has just left a stick of dynamite and if you look there, you'll find it. Yep. It's like, if the players go searching, uh, they uh, will find like it underneath the bar. Yeah, there's a stick of dynamite there. Like, yeah, in, it was inside from one of the guy's, the guys the mining like a mining guy tenant who guy, yeah. came in with it one night and then left it behind or something, or was taken off it's in it, the was lost drunk. property box. <laughs> 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 I mean, we've got like a left shoe, an old gun with no bullets, and this stick of dynamite. Yep. Those are your three actionable elements in this. <laughs> if we were get getting right into the nitty-gritty of like how do you prep. It's one that lends itself very well to little index cards on your side mm-hmm. of the, the screen if you use a screen. Does. And on the player's side of the screen. So easy to make props for. It's so empty so easy to, and I have I have done this. One of the very first games I ever GM'd, I made a wanted poster, and that was the thing that like started the the game off was like you hand him a wanted poster you've given it the tea bag and like done a little burning around the edges the tea bag like. is a different verb to how most gamers would use it though. <laughs> yeah you give your wanted poster a good tea bagging but yeah it's so easy to do props for it's so easy to find again if, we, if you're talking about like they're playing poker so easy to have some poker cards yep this is one of the things that i was thinking about leading up to this I don't know if I would play straight up poker like it's its own game that might not it's very much built on player skill and not character skill and I I think think it's it's absolute sacrilege to resolve a card game in fiction with a dice roll for sure Um, I think this is a thing where you come into the game in the middle of the game um, and you as the GM like fix all the players hands oh that's a good way of doing it so So you decide who's got two pair who's got a straight who's got a flush um and and oh man you go around the table and like introduce everyone introduces their character as they reveal their hand and that tells you something about their character as well like are they a sore winner? Are they God, a, it a good loser? Like, then you as the GM reveal yours, and maybe you're playing the villain or the henchman. That kind of becomes your, like, little kickoff activity is you are all on the last hand of a game of poker. And maybe you put some chips fun... in front of them. Yeah. And so you've got, like, someone Stakes who's like, you're clearly exists. winning and you're clearly losing, but you've got a great hand and you've got an awful hand and, like, Play this last hand in character and we will kick straight into the action from there. But, like, that would be a very cool way to kick the game off, I think. Without I'd, having to commit oh to man. playing a whole game of poker inside your game. Just, like, play the last hand. Play the hand that yeah, causes the fight to break out. out yeah, you want to hand at a time. Maybe there are two hands in there. One at the start and one with the bad guy. Like, maybe it's the player's the, the, the characters playing amongst themselves at the start mm, and then the bad guy comes and, and the, walks in and then yeah and you just have you like deal him in. you have a second deck of cards also yeah. <laughs> fixed for this i yeah. think that would be sick um i also love the idea like this is how you find out a little bit about your characters i would use that as a prompting question to my characters to be like how how well would your character deal with winning at a card game Mm. how would they deal with losing the other fun thing you can do with uh cards and we're skipping ahead a little bit into system chat here but i think it's adaptable enough to be worth pulling out separately um is playing cards make a sick initiative system um this is how Mm. savage worlds which is based on deadlands i think which was written for westerns savage worlds does it, and everyone just draws from a deck of cards and like high card goes first and it's yep. a very, it's really, really fast. It's way faster than rolling dice because everyone has it written down already. Um, and it's it feels much better in universe than, than rolling. And you could put it, you could slot that in as your initiative system. I think into almost any system to give it a little bit of flavor. Um, so in any game that uses initiative, I would consider swapping whatever that system has out for like a deck of playing cards. And everyone draws high card goes first. Yeah, you just have to avoid the people who are going to be like, but I have plus four to my initiative. Great, draw four cards and pick the highest. Fixed. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty quick and easy. Yeah, I just came up with that on the spot. Don't mind that as a mechanic, can you? <laughs> <laughs> I love a draw several keep X. Like yeah. draw Y keep X. Yeah. And um, look, if you wanted to riff that, and, and again, totally, total scope creep here, but if you, I think that would be really fun to riff into a full-on core resolution mechanic. Resolution mechanic. It's like, you draw, start of combat, you draw a hand of five cards, and you've got to choose how you play them throughout oh, the combat to, like... We don't design games, out. but maybe we design we this design game. Games. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. All right? I think we've we've covered most of the things, right? We've got a good setup we've got a couple of good setups actually it's either like walking in through the saloon doors spurs a chinkin or it's last hand of a poker game and we follow on with like an interaction with the big bad that shows them in their element with all of their goons around uh terrorizing the people and then the inciting incident occurs of they steal the thing or you find out about the ambush they're laying or you see the wanted poster and then we jump to like how can we get rid of a bunch of mooks? Like, what's a good way of thinning the herd so that they have a plausible chance to fight the big bad? I think this actually lends itself quite well to a a little bit more of a sandboxy or like points of interest a sandbox mm-hmm. with points of interest scattered or a point around. point crawl, it. if you will. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just not everyone knows what a point crawl is. Google the the phrase point crawl. There are some excellent (laughs) written pieces about it. And it's such an effective way, a very fractal way of organizing it. It's actually very similar to how Red Dead Redemption does it, which is that you have a big map. You have a lot of quest markers spread all over that map. Some of them tie into the central plot. Mm -hmm. Many of them don't and are just interesting things that you can do. Mm. And there's 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 often little vignettes that are really just there to be fun and exciting and show off the character's expertise or uh, marksmanship. Like there are scenes in westerns that don't advance the plot at all. Or well, if yeah. they do, it's in like a meandering way. And yeah, so I super think super loosey goosey, especially the ones from like seventy years ago. Yeah, and it's 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 a genre that exists almost purely on vibe, and then like you happen to stumble into the enemy's lair at the end, um, and maybe there's one or two spots along the way where you've like skimmed back past the main plot, but it is mostly the characters making their way through the world and dealing with the problems that crop up because of who they are, um, and. <laughs> i don't know the like the bad luck that they've collected right like that like this this stuff just keeps happening to them they're an attractor right they're like a chaos attractor in the you know what i think it is it's the they are clearly competent and so will always be rewarded with more work (laughs) and like they walk in and people are like man the status quo sucks Look at this competent individual who's just walked Can into the town. you solve my problems? Huh. I'm going to give them more work and emotional burden to make the, sure they do it. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it doesn't matter how hard they work, they're never going to be finished, right? Entropy only ever increases. Only ever increases. Um, and in the Wild West, it doesn't become the tame West. I mean, it, I think it does eventually. But yeah, like it's okay for things not to get you anywhere and to just be like solving problems that you've created for yourself along the way, as long as they're fun problems to solve and as long as those problems create more problems. Yeah. Like, right? a, like for a, every problems engine, if you will. For every problem you you solve, you create two more. And that's just your lot in life as a, a protagonist, I think, is is that I you think. will never dig yourself out. This is a fantastic fantastic time to segue into what system would you run this in and i would choose forged in the dark which is a consequence engine tell me more about that <laughs> people think that it's a like forged in the dark built around blades in the dark is about you know it's a heist engine oh no 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 it's a consequence engine and i think that ties so well to everything you just said it's such an easy way for the actionable elements of the environment to come into play For those who haven't seen Forged in the Dark, I highly recommend it. You should really get on that wagon. But there are two axes of results. There's position and effect. So you've got this kind of matrix where it's like you can be in a desperate position, but have great effect, which would be like you're on the ground, the six shooter is in your hand, but you've uh, got a clear shot at the bad guy. That's a desperate position where the consequences are high if you fail, but great effect because it's going to succeed to the nth degree and it encourages the players to move around the fiction and play with the mechanics to increase that effect level often by putting themselves in worse positions. I think Fortunately Dark can run this great. That surprises me not at all. (laughs) What are you going to throw out? So I was going to suggest Savage Worlds, but I just went and got my Savage Worlds book, and I forgot how many rules there are in it. Having Um, a lot of rules, not too bad. Yeah, but it's not the fun kind of rules. I've um, never actually played I might, Savage Worlds. I might have to try running it again, but it's got, I'm like, as soon as anything has rules for like more than one type of being in cover, I'm like, that is too complicated. <laughs> but there are things that I would crib from it. The initiative is card draw that I mentioned before, absolutely would keep. Mm-hmm they they have a really good system where it is basically what you described as like the heroes the lieutenants and the mooks um, it has a system where they call them wild cards that's the the characters and then there's Very th- they literally just call them extras <laughs> other other <laughs> that mooks leans who can die hard into a, the cinematic feel yeah it does so like all sorts of stuff i would steal from Savage Worlds. So yeah, look, I don't know what system I would run this in. Um say Forged in the Dark. I don't know if it would be Forged in the Dark, because I think I think Forged in the Dark. You watch yourself right now. The the kind of ebb and flow of the Forged in the Dark system is like action and downtime, action and downtime. The whole point of forged well one of the whole points of Forged in the Dark is like the downtime is just as impactful as the, it is the true, action, but in like, like a dict- different direction. And I just feel like the characters in a Western do not get downtime. I think it's a bit of a lobotomized Forge in the Dark. Yeah, well, I'm like, maybe maybe it's a lobotomized Savage Worlds as well. <laughs> where you just like, just go through and just delete bits of the rules. Between the two of out. them, one brain. <laughs> so, I don't know. This is, This is probably one where I'm like, I actually don't know what I would run it in. Um, probably go find some fun little indie system that uses a lot of, a lot of D6s and not much else. What about a D20 based system that's heavily abstracted? So you're not super grindy and simulationy. That does move pretty quickly. I am of course referring to index card RPG, which you did say index cards would be great in this one. Oh yeah. I, I do think this would be a really viable way of running it because characters in an index card rpg leveling up for them is getting gear mm. the, like nothing special about the characters the gear that they have defines their abilities and i think that works well in this space you pretty much abstract all the details of combat so like bad guys will have a number of hearts a heart is worth 10 hit points and you can just make that like if a bullet lands, it does one heart's worth of damage. Yeah, and I think that fits quite well in here. So if I was going to run it and not Forge it in the Dark, the greatest system of all time, I would probably do index card RPG. I think what I would do is have a dig on drive-through RPG for something tiny and indie and like thirty pages long, um, and run it in that. All right. So, last two questions. If you had to run this in 5e, how would you do it? Uh, I would start by massively lowering my expectations that we'll be able to hit the genre fiction. Yep. Especially in terms of, like, the duel at high noon. Yeah, that's going to want to get... Duel's in D&D suck. Yeah, the game is going to want you to get very sticky and tactical with that, and it's going to lose all of its momentum. It's really hard to play good pulpy fiction in D&D. I if I had to run this in D&D, uh, I'd just, I'd find some excuse to take all the players' toys off them. Like, it sounds mean, but I think if you're going to run something Western style, it has to be leaning on that environmental combat and not the players just using what's on their character sheets. Mm-hmm. You really um, want them to buy into the fiction to make it work. And yeah. Like, I, I think that's, you reward them with advantage for actioning that element, in the thing that they're going to do, but it also like the the one that has stuck with me the most since you said it, the spittoon thing, right? Yeah, it's really hard to make that workable in D anD D, where it's like yeah, okay, it's like we that can... is never going to do as much damage as your eldritch blast. Yeah, or yeah, I think one thing if I was not dropping this into an existing campaign, um. I would encourage the players to all pick a particular class. Is it warlock? And it's probably warlock. I was going to say the same thing. And it's they're an doing oops, all finger... warlock session. Yeah, and they're all doing like finger guns and kind of finger guns. I think as well, the warlock is a it's as a class. It's quite self-contained. It doesn't rely heavily on gear. It will happily like run all day without running out of puff because um, it doesn't re- rely on long rests. Um, and that means also means you don't have to faff around with like putting guns in the setting because it doesn't matter what the bad guys use. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're using crossbows or maybe they're using their own magic and it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter what is happening mechanically on your side of the screen. Actually, it's all warlocks under the hood <laughs> and everyone's it's- just throwing Eldritch Blasts at each other. And Look, it just it's just refluffed. I think but it's. I went into this super skeptical. I think I would actually play a one shot of Oops All Warlocks in a Western setting. Like I think yeah. it. I think it works. I think that the features of that class actually help you tap into some of the vibe of the setting, which is the self-contained hero. Um, yeah, so that's how I would do this in five e's. Oops, all warlocks. Oops, all warlocks. <laughs> I have already um, the gunslinger the the martial gunslinger. Yep. I have an oops all bards game coming up, which I'm very excited for. (laughs) Sounds heinous. Yeah. All all faces. It's good. (laughs) It's gonna be great. (laughs) Um so last question. mm. Would you run this? I would absolutely run this. I think this sounds like a really fun time. I wanna do the poker thing. Yeah. I really <laughs> want to do the poker thing I, just to see them play out that last hand at the table and talk shit to each other and like really like ham up their characters. Yep. I think it'd be so fun. I would do it as well and I would probably possibly even consider running the Oops All Warlocks version because I think Christian I think gaming. it's a good gateway drug. I think westerns yeah. in general are a good gateway drug into trying to do non-traditional uh RPGs or less traditional RPGs and trying to tell less like linear fantasy stories. For me westerns because uh, I watched my first western after I played my first D&D game and it was the first time I saw the kinds of adventures that you kind of expect from a D&D character. The, the sort of shenanigans, uh, skin of your teeth escapes all of that kind of stuff and i think critically it was like oh the thing that i like about DD is not the setting it's these encounters these like interesting situations where where every scene in a western is like here is an interesting situation that as you said is like not stable and like how has the player's arrival Mm -hmm. destabilized the situation and and what happens then how do they deal with the problems that flow out of that? Um, and and so on. And so it was the first time I'd kind of seen that storytelling happening outside of RPGs. Um, but also the first time it twigged that like, hey, fantasy doesn't have a a complete monopoly on this. And in fact, maybe this would be less interesting. And in fact, maybe this would be more interesting without the wizards and shit um without the reality warpers yeah which is like that's that was a bit of a mind blower to me because like, i so much I of the time magic is was... to get out of jail free card yeah and i thought the like the magic power fantasy um you know the the rpg equivalent of cool special effects is what i was in it for um and it's like no it turns out what i am in it for is like running away from things and diving over walls and like doing Sharing, sharing the funny one-liner to your counterpart. Yeah. <clears throat> um, which I think really influenced the way I play my characters. Not so much the way I plan my games, but absolutely the way I play my characters. They are never looking at what's on their character sheet and looking for options to mm-hmm. deploy it. It is always like, oh, there's a tree. Oh, I'm absolutely going to climb the tree. So you said this before, and I I love it so much. The thing that I find most appealing as a player is dealing with the consequences of my actions. I Like, playing in a game where you can do whatever you want and it's blank slate at the start of every session kills it for me. For me, verisimilitude lines up perfectly with issues from the past to happen again. Mm. Things That's coming back to haunt you. Of, like, my character lives in this world and this world may not like like its immune system is consequences (laughs) fighting off the infection of my character. Oh, that's a beautiful analogy. I love that. Shall we wrap it there? It's a great place to wrap. Excellent. Um, Where is my sign-off notes? All right. So this has been Platonics. If you like this episode, send it to your Game Master. Um, If you are a Game Master, send it to your Game Master friends. Post it on Reddit. Yell about it from the rooftops. Uh, The best thing you can do to help us make more of this show is to get more people to listen to the show. Uh, you can find show notes and whatever bits and pieces we happened to make after making this episode. Um, links, playlists, movie recommendations, all of that kind of stuff. You can find at playtonics.net, P-L-A-Y-T-O-N-I-C-S dot N-E-T. And obviously you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, but you knew that already because you're already listening. Thanks for tuning in. I have been Rocky. And I've been Jordan. And that's it for this week. We'll see you next time. Can't wait to see you again. Bye. Bye.